Come with me. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Let's go. Everybody together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Notice the word that's repeated, the word rejoice. He's saying your, your, your joy ought to come from the fact that you are, say with me, in the Lord. That's how you get to rejoice in the Lord always. Next verse. Verse number five says it this way. Verse number five says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. That's not everybody. Everybody's not reading. Get all them kids together. Let's read together. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Watch this phrase. Be known to all men. Get to the next verse for me, please. Here's what the next verse says. Let, let your request, watch it now, be made known to God. Go back to the first verse. Go back to verse number five. It says, let no, yeah, right here. Let, uh, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So uh, whenever you're, you're getting ready to be worried about something, there's something you must tell God, and then there's something you must show to the world. Don't miss this, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever you're in an environment and everybody is worried and the, 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 the skies are gray and dark, God says, there's something you must tell me, and there's something you must show to the world. You got to, you've got to tell me first, Leave it there and then show the world gentleness. It's going to make sense in a minute. Here we go. Verse number six. Then he says, verse six says this. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Next verse. He says, and the peace of God. Somebody say the peace of God. God. Yeah, you're not saying it like you're really grateful for. Somebody say the peace of God. There you go. Go all the way down to verse number nine. Verse number nine says this. Don't miss it. And the God of peace will be with you. So verse nine says, the God of peace. Go back up to verse seven now. The other verse says, and the peace of God. Now listen to me. Listen. Focus right here. Right here. Yeah. You can't have the peace of God unless you know the God of peace. You got to have a personal relationship with the God of peace because he's the one who can give you the peace of God. So don't expect the peace of God in the midst of worry when you don't have a relationship with the God of peace. You got to have one before you get the other. Can I get a witness, somebody? Here we go. We're going to go there. Here we go. Next verse. Next verse. Oh, no. Let's read this one. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Here's the word you need to highlight. Put a circle around it. Shade it out in your Bible. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What will the peace of God do? It will guard your Two more times, it will guard your, last time it will guard your hearts. Next verse, verse number eight. Then he says, finally, brethren, he tells you what to think about. You don't have to guess it. He tells it to you. He says, finally, brethren, this is the summation of what I've been trying to say. Here's what he says. Whatever is, whatever is, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if any worthy of praise, here's what you want to do with these. Say it with me two times. Dwell on these things. In other words, make, make yourself at home thinking about these things. Last verse. Here we go. Then you get to sit down. Last verse says, the things you have 
learned and received and heard and seen in me, say this word, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Here we go today. Here we go. Um, The way God made the body, it's really fascinating. I I know you know this, but the body is designed to heal itself. Whenever whenever there's something that shows up in the body that's foreign, the body has a built-in immune system whose job it is to, to make sure that it attacks whatever is foreign and heal itself. Whenever there's stress around you, which usually causes an increased uh, blood pressure, the, 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 the Bible says that God has given us the plan to deal with such a situation. As we go into a world today, as you go to work tomorrow, here's what's going to happen. Everybody is still watching all the headlines. Everybody is still thinking, what in the world is America coming to? Nobody ever dreamt that everybody would be out of school. The NBA season would be canceled. Everything would be canceled. And we'd have to meet in limited numbers in church. It's never, at least I've never seen it before. And so everybody is worried about it. But in the midst of that, the Apostle Paul has a word for us that is the recipe to deal with this. And what I want to talk to you today about is about VIPs. Very important peace. Very important piece. It's nestled away here in the book of Philippians. But before we even go there, I need to give you the context of this book. Let's do a little bit of historical background here. Paul finds himself in jail. He is bound to a Roman jailer, and he's, he's locked up. And because he is, he starts out this pericope saying, rejoice in the Lord always. How are you going to rejoice when you're in jail, dude? How are you going to rejoice when you're locked up, man? Come on, you can't tell us rejoice, and you're locked up and can't get out. Because Paul has his foundation somewhere else where we don't have ours sometimes. So watch what the text says. It says it this way. Let's go pick it up in in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Notice, rejoice in the Lord always. Notice, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, what, what should you not rejoice in? That is your circumstances. You don't, your foundation is not built on your circumstances. Your foundation and the reason you get to rejoice is because you're rejoicing in the Lord. Here's what he's trying to say. Last couple, couple months ago, when the stock market was going up and to the right, everybody was rejoicing. Everybody was like, ooh, my 401k is going up. Yeah, Lord, praise God. Won't he do it? And then last week when it dropped 2,000 points, you're like, oh, Lord, is this the end? You know what? Because in that moment, your foundation was your circumstances. So the reason you couldn't rejoice when it goes up and when it comes down is because your joy was not in the Lord. It was in your circumstances. He says, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the reason why he's in jail and still rejoicing is because his circumstances do not dictate what's inside of him and the joy comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Paul's telling us something today. If you're going to be the the saints that go out into this world in a dark and gloomy environment with the joy of the Lord, then your your foundation must not be in your circumstances. It must not be because you lost your job. It must not be because things are hard. It must be because your joy comes from the Lord. It is inside and is shining out, not outside shining in. Can I get a witness? somebody. That's what he says. He's, that's why he sets it up and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. But he continues, again, I say, don't miss this. Rejoice. Here's what he means. He means 
Every time I come to you, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I hope you're rejoicing. I hope you're rejoicing. I hope you're rejoicing. He says, if I see you next week, I'm going to ask you, tell me about your joy. If I see you a year from now, I'm going to ask you, tell me about your joy. Why is Paul stressing this so much? Because he knows that in the church in Philippi, there was conflict internally. There was conflict from the outside in, and people were feeling sick in the body. And because of all of those, they had good reason, if they were focused on their circumstances, to not be joyful. Paul says, not so with you if you know Jesus. He says, I want you to rejoice, not anywhere, but in the Lord. And I want you to do it all the time. And to make sure you don't miss it, he gives you a double urgency. He says, again, I will say, say it with me, everybody, rejoice. That's his point. He says, this is too big for Christians. This is your finest hour for Christians. When the world is a dark place, he calls you to shine brightness in the midst of it. So then let's go to the next verse. Paul, how do you want us to do that? What is this going to look like? He tells us, next verse. It says this, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Let your, say this phrase with me right here, gentle spirit. Gentle spirit, gentle spirit. What does that mean? What do, you, what do you mean gentle spirit? He means let your reasonableness be shown to all men. What does he mean? He means let your graciousness be shown to all men. What does he mean? Let your kindness be shown to all men. In the midst of dark circumstances, let them know that you're still kind, even though if the Spirit of God was not inside of you, you would be ugly, rude, and mean. He says, not so with you. You ought to show kindness. You ought to show meekness. You ought to show personableness in the midst of it. What should you not do? You should not be quarrelsome. You should not be mean. You should not, you should not want to get revenge because he tells you why. He says, because the Lord is near. What does that mean? He's, re- he's, he's referring to God coming back. The Lord coming back is near. Now, some of you right here are telling me now. He said, Pastor, hold on. That was a long time ago, man. That's, that's like over, over 18, 19, almost 2,000 years ago that, this, that, that, that he's saying this. Come on, that don't make no sense. That's because you're looking at it through your eyes. But you remember what God says? A day in God's sight is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So what Paul is saying to us is, I thought he was coming back then. But he might come back now too. Either way, listen, don't miss the point. What he's saying is, you don't have to get vengeance yourself. You don't have to get even. You don't have to, I'm going to show you, you should never fool with me like that. That's not, he's saying, no, 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 no. Because God is coming back, he will settle all accounts when he comes. So you can leave it with me and have a gentle spirit as you interact with other people. Because what's going to bring them to myself, that is Jesus, is how you interact with them. The beautiful illustration is Paul's in jail. These jailers are saying, Paul, you should have a bad attitude now. You, should, you are in here for a reason that you shouldn't have gotten locked up for. Paul is saying, I know where I'm at, but I'm still joyful. I know they were wrong, but I'm still joyful because my joy doesn't come from what somebody did or did not do. My joy comes from being in Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen gathered around your TV right now, listen to me, please. I don't care what CNN, I don't care what Fox News, I don't care what MSN says, I don't care what ABC, NBC, any one of them says, I don't care what BBC, Al Jazeera, I don't care what any of them says. When they put gloom over your life, You must remember, the circumstances is not what determines your joy. What determines your joy is that you know that you are standing in the presence of the living God. Can I get a witness, somebody? But he tells us how to get there. 
Watch it, it gets even better. He tells us how to get there. He says, I want you to make your request be known to God, and I want you to make your gentle spirit be known to all men. Because it is this gentle spirit that's going to be a light that, asks, that forces them to ask the question, can you tell me about your joy? But if we join them in the criticism, if we join them in the complaining, if we join them in the woe is me, then you and I are just like the rest of the world. There's no difference there, which means they have no business asking us questions about the joy because we're not reflecting that joy in the moment. So pastor, how do I get this then? I got you. I need to rejoice. I ain't there right now. How do I get this? He, he tees it up in the first phrase of verse number six. He tells us this is what Christians should always do. Watch it. He says, be anxious. Say it with me, everybody. For, he says, be anxious for nothing. He said, pastor, okay. I mean, that's easy to say. Be anxious for nothing. But it's another deal when, when I don't have no money in the bank. It's another deal when uh, stuff's going on around me. I, I, I don't get this. What do you mean? Let me show you. Please don't miss this. Go to your notes now. I want to I highlight something for you in your notes. I want you to open your notes, and I want you to go to the page on the right-hand side. And I want to highlight for you why we get in trouble sometimes when it comes to this thing called worry. This is a big deal. This happens to all Christians. And I want to highlight why this is such a problem. I'll get to your notes and let me show you. There's, 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 if you ever go to the Olympics, whenever uh, it's the medal ceremony time, they'll give you a, they'll, they'll have a podium and the first place will be a little higher and then the second and the third place might be together or one level beneath. Let me tell you what they're saying. They're saying only one person should have the number one slot. Everything else should be number two or number three. Here's what happens in churches. Here's what happens in Christians. We put something in God's slot, the number one slot, that is only reserved for God. But when you make that thing an idol, you, you worry about what you value. So when you fear losing the thing you value, now you start worrying. So there's a confession that has to take place for us to be anxious for nothing. But you have to be able to identify what is this thing that I've put in God's slot, which then causes me fear and worry and anxiety, which is why I can't stop being worried. It's because you have placed, replaced God and put something that you value so much in that number one slot. Let me give you some examples of it. Here's what we do oftentimes. I'm going to show, go in your notes and you'll see both sides of it. So if you're fearful of abandonment, Somebody, well, I don't want them to leave me. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Then it's because you have placed relationship and you value that more than God. Let's say you're, you're fearful of financial ruin and the stock market's going down. Well, then you've placed money in the number one slot which most Americans have done, which is why we trust our 401ks and our 403bs and whatever investment accounts you have more than God because we're banking on that and not on God to take care of us in the future. Some of us fear rejection and because we fear rejection, we value friendships so much so that it, it, it lifts above God and all of these have become idols. That's really what they've become. Let's flip it again. Some of us care about control and we value control so much we can't stand imperfection. So anything imperfect in our houses, we get all bent out of shape, ruin relationships because we're losing control. 
The next one is conflict because we love peace so much. I just want everything to be cool. I just want everything to be peaceful. I just want to enjoy a peaceful day. And because you, you, you worship this more than you worship God, then when there's conflict, you get all bent out of shape. The one that's facing us now is illness. And because we love our health so much, ain't nothing wrong with having a good health, but it must be in the number two slot, not the number one slot. And whenever we put it in the number one slot, not the number two slot, then what ultimately happens is we begin, we begin to worship it, which is where our worry and fear comes from. Let's go to the last two. Then we want, we, we're afraid of pain because we want to worship comfort. We're afraid of the uncertainty of the future because we want security. Whenever you identify what you value, it will show you your source of fear. Ladies and gentlemen, what do we need to do then? We need to realize that we need to repent and ask God to forgive us for the things that we have placed on the throne of our hearts. Only then, when we can identify, will we see the source of our worry. Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. The reason we can is because we value something more than God. Once we identify, we can confess it. Now God is in his rightful place. Now our trust can be in him and not in the thing we value. Now we have the freedom to worship and to praise God and to rejoice in the Lord always as he asked us to do. Now watch it. Go to the page on your left-hand side and let me tell you the concern. God says, there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. Worry says, it's in control of you. Concern says, I'm in control of it. What we have most times for Christians is that we're worried so much and it becomes in control of us, which is why we can't get enough. Feed me more, feed me more. What's the latest? What's the latest? Because you are so worried that you're going to lose control. God says, nothing wrong with being concerned. Everything wrong when you, lead, when you allow it to lead you to being worried. There are three reasons for worry. Watch your notes again. Number one is the pain of the past. Number two is the problems in the present. This is where we are. This is what's causing our current state of worry. And then number three is the uncertainty about the future. So both, most people are living here in our current culture. And because we are, we're overwhelmed and we look just like the world. And we don't, we don't provide leadership in the midst of the storm that we currently find ourselves. So now what's the solution, Pastor? Okay, you done told me what the problem is. I get it. We, 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 we worried about everything. Good, here's the solution. He tells us. But to know it, we've got to start from the bottom, verse 9, and make our way up to how we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. Check the text out. That's why you have to go to the Bible. That's why the Bible is so rich. You've got to love it. Verse number 9, here's what it says. It tells you about the God of peace. So here's what he says. He says, the things you've learned from and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things. Paul says, don't listen to what I say. Listen to what you've seen me do. You've seen me not have a whole lot, and you still see me rejoicing, even though I don't have a whole lot of money. You've seen me in jail, and you still hear my writings and how joyful I am, no matter the circumstances. Don't listen to when I talk about it. Listen to how I model it for you. I'm modeling rejoicing the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Listen, that's why the, the guards are ultimately going to get saved. You know why the guards are going to get saved? Because they marveled at how Paul can be saved sane in the midst of being locked up. So these men are going to say, how do you do this? I need to know the God who allows you this kind of peace in the midst of this kind of foolishness. That's the opportunity that's ahead of us. It's a golden one that we can't miss. The world is saying, how do you have this peace when everybody else is scared, scattered, and running everywhere? That's the opportunity that's in front of us. That's why he says, and the God of peace will be with you. 
No, let me help you out. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you cannot get this peace, which means you better start with, how do I get to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? Because if you don't know him, ladies and gentlemen, then you cannot enjoy the worry-free life like all Christians can. The only way, Paul says, rejoice, not in your circumstance, but rejoice in the Lord, meaning you got to have a relationship with him so that now you're in Christ so that circumstances don't affect you like it does everybody else. Go to the next verse. He says it starts with the God of peace. Number two, then he says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, if there is any excellence, if any worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. Here's why. Because that's what God thinks about. The God of peace thinks about this, which then when you think like the God of peace thinks, then you'll have the peace of God. If you don't think about these things and you think about worry, then that's not how the God of peace thinks, which therefore means you're not going to have the peace of God. Let me see if I can break it up a little better and make it a little more plain for you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, we've got a balloon here. And whatever you put in this balloon determines everything. So Paul says, hey man, you can fill your mind with air or you can fill your mind with helium. If you fill it with, with worry, if you fill it with anxiety, if you fill it with fear, if you fill it with all the news challenge, all the social media challenge, if you fill it with disgust and you despise people, if that's what you fill it with, then no wonder when somebody let it go, it don't go up, it comes all the way down. But Lord have mercy, if you fill your mind with the things of God, that which is good, that which is pure, then when everything else is pressing you down because of what you are thinking about, it only has one way to go, and that's up. All because you are filling your mind and you're dwelling on the right things. What he says we ought to do, if we're going to have the joy of the Lord, we got to make sure we're dwelling on the, say with me, the right things. So here we go. Let's go to the next verse now in light of that. He continues. He says, verse number seven. Here's what he says. It says, therefore, in light of that, the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all comprehension, will do what, everybody? Come on. Guard your heart. Two more times. We'll do what? Guard your heart. Last time, we'll do what? Guard your heart. Then, how, Pastor, how do I prevent stuff from going into my mind and stuff from going into my heart? How do I do that? How do I prevent it so that my mind stays focused on God, stays focused on the things of God and not the things of this world? How do I do that? He tells us. He says, every time you want to worry, you ought to pray. And prayer will ignite the peace of God, which will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I still don't get it. Help me out. What does that mean? He tells us. He says, hey man, when, when something comes across your mind and you are trying to deal with it, he says, when anxiety comes across your mind, what, what, when, you, when you go to pray and you say, God, I'm leaving this with you, then what you're simultaneously doing, you're taking it to the God of peace and say, God, I'm a little anxious right now. You're taking it to the God of peace and you're leaving it there. Then the peace of God through prayer, will say, you don't belong in this party. The party that's happening in my mind, you don't belong there, anxiety, so get the heck up out. Then when something else comes, insignificance, and they're trying to remind you that you ain't nobody, you ain't going to live to become nobody, then God says, when this comes up and you take it to me and you pray, then the peace of God, through prayer, will say, 
get up out of there. And it will swing. And every single thing that comes across your mind or your heart, failure, get out of there. What does this one say? Depression, get out of there. What you're trying to do is the word of God through prayer then tells the peace of God to get everything that is not of God out of your mind and out of your heart so that you can be joyful no matter the circumstances. Can I get a witness up in here, somebody? That's what he says. you got to guard it because if you don't, then your mind will be flooded with anxiety and worry and fear, which is what plagues the whole culture today. So he tells us, hey, man, you'll surpass all. What does he mean, surpass all comprehension? It means the world will not be able to fathom why you can have peace in the midst of the storm that you find yourself in. So he said, they cannot fathom it. They will try, but they cannot come to the conclusion. They can't figure out, well, why I don't get and have what you have? Well, it's because they don't know Jesus, which therefore means they can't fathom it because it's beyond human comprehension. That's what you get when you have the peace of God. Let's go to the next verse, verse 6. Here's what he says now. Verse 6 says, what I want you to do is be anxious for, everybody with me, nothing. Say two more times. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, he wants you to pray with supplication, with thanksgiving. He tells us, I love this one. He says, I want you to pray, but when you pray, I want you to bring stuff to God. But when you bring it to God, I don't want you to bring it by itself. I want you to bring it with some thanksgiving. I want you to realize how good you got it, even in the midst of the storm. You ever have, you ever have, um, you ever have fried chicken? Well, fried chicken is good. But if you put a little bit of, a little bit of sauce on there, it's just a little bit of that red sauce on there, then all of a sudden what was good just became great. Here's what God's saying to you. If you come to me with only your whinings, then you're not going to realize how good I've been to you in the midst of your storm. So you need to come to me reflecting on all the things I've done for you. Let me tell you what. He woke you up this morning. You know the drill. He's made you on your way. He's given you a car to drive. He's given you a place to stay. When you list all the good things God has done, then then the things that are causing you worry don't seem and don't loom that large. God says, don't come to me just whining. Come to me realizing and how good you have it, even though you think you got it real, real bad. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to remind you today that he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, allow your requests to be known, made known unto God. So here's what he says. Here it is. Here's the steps. All of them, you're going to repeat it a number of times. It's on the front part of your handout. Here's what he says. He says, if you're going to enjoy and have the joy of the Lord, if you're going to rejoice in the Lord always, he says, I want you to worry about nothing. Then number two, he says, I want you to therefore pray about everything, both found in verse 6. Then he go to verse 7 and he says, I want you to thank God for all things. And then lastly, he says, I want you to think about the right things. Here's the steps, he says. Your foundation is God. You have a relationship with the God of peace who is then going to give you the peace of God when you and I make sure we're walking in all four of these things. So we ought to say them with me. Step number one is you ought to worry about... That's right. Worry about nothing. Number two, then he says you ought to pray about everything. Number three, he says you ought to thank God in all things. And then you ought to think about the right things. Two more times. You ought to, number one, worry about about nothing. Number two, you ought to pray about everything. Number three, you ought to thank God for all things. And then number four, you ought to 
Think about the right things. Last time, say it one more time with me. No, if you go, if you're going to, if you're going to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He says this must be true of you if you're going to be able to rejoice no matter what. He says number one, say it with me, everybody. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Thank God for all things, and then think about the. Somebody didn't get it. A student didn't get it. When, when you're walking in who God's calling you to be, here's what you're going to do. You're going to worry about nothing, pray about everything, thank God for all things, and then think about the right things. That's what he says. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the opportunity of a lifetime for Christians and the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and put their shoulders back and walk in what God has called us to walk in. If you turn to the back of your handout, you'll see it as we conclude today. You turn to the back of the handout, you'll see how it goes. Here's how it goes. This is, this is such a profound passage for us. He says, the God of peace, if you know him, it will be evidenced by you having the peace of God. The more you have the peace of God, the more it affirms your relationship with the God of peace. He says, but it doesn't stop there. There is fruit that's evidenced by the God of peace, which means if you have the God of peace, you're going to be thinking about the right thing. That means, well, you're going to be thinking about whatsoever is true, whatsoever is pure, honorable, just, lovely, commendable, and, tr- and praiseworthy. That's ignited through prayer, which then, listen, which then guards our hearts and minds against anxiety, worry, and panic. So whenever you're worrying and you're panicking, it's because you're not praying. Because if you pray, then you'll refocus your mind to think about the right thing, which will then affirm that you have the peace of God, which then is evidenced by the fact that you know God as your personal Lord and Savior. But somebody else is saying in closing, somebody saying, Pastor, I don't get this. I promise you, I don't get it. Because why would God allow this to happen? This shouldn't have happened. What's he up to? I can't, he can just fix this right now. Why he ain't fixing this right now? I struggle with the same thing sometimes. And here's what, I got, a, I got a, a letter in the mail last week that helped me and reminded me of how God works. See, I got a birthday card in the mail last week. Only problem is, my birthday is on January 1st. So why am I getting a card this late? Joker, you missed my birthday, okay? I don't want no card from you uh, two and a half months later. I want the card right when it's my birthday, when everybody else was gracious enough to tell me happy birthday. That's when I want it, not now. So I opened the card because I wanted to see who sent me this card two and a half, almost three months later. So I said, all right, let me tell you, I'm ripping this home. Let me see who this is. I can't believe who would do this to me. Let me see. So I opened the card and I'm looking at the card. I'm like, happy birthday. And I'm having a bad attitude with it. Then I opened the card. When I opened the card, ladies and gentlemen, what fell out of it was a $250 gift card from Amazon. No, I said, won't he do it? That's what I said. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Now, what started out as me being frustrated ended up when I saw the big picture as me understanding what was happening. Can I remind you of something? God ain't finished with the puzzle yet. All you have seen is a part of the puzzle. You haven't seen the rest of the puzzle. Your God is so good. He is painting a picture, and I don't want you to get frustrated because you've only seen a part of the picture. When you see the whole picture, you're going to give him praise like you had never given him before. 
and you're going to say, that's my God. That's my God. Because then you'll see the whole picture. Well, since you know the God already, and since he has, has given us so much evidence already, that just because you see a part of it, don't mean you've seen the full story. Hey, Esther, come on down here, Esther. Esther, tell us what happened. You knew the God of peace who gave you the peace of God, so you marched into the king's palace, even though you could lose your life marching in. Esther, how did you do that? Esther would say, because I had, I knew the God of peace, he gave me the peace of God. Because I was bold, now my whole family and my whole nation was saved, all because I trusted him, and I smiled at the storm that I found myself in. Come here, Daniel. What's up, my boy? What's up, man? How did you go into that lion's den? Here's how he did it. He knew the God of peace, which therefore he gave him the peace of God, which then made the lions a pillow for him. So he was sleeping. What's up, lie? What's up? And he's chilling while the king is up there, cannot sleep because he didn't know the God of peace, nor did he have the peace of God. So now the king got up real early, running down, terrified, worried, anxious. You alive, Daniel? To which he woke Daniel up and said, oh yeah, man, I was just chilling with the lions. And, and, the, and the king says, are you alive? Daniel said, yes, I am. And the same king that did not have the peace now got the peace because he got a relationship with God. So God teed Daniel up to make sure that that king would get saved. I wonder today if God's teeing your life up so that your co-workers can get saved. I wonder if God's teeing your life up so that when they look at you, your whole family can get saved. I wonder who is trying to get saved based on your response to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do not let a malady, do not let a virus keep you down. Follow all the careful instructions they give you, but your spirit, does not come from your circumstances. Your joy doesn't come from what's around you. Your joy is inside of you, and you can say, I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can I get a witness in this place, somebody? <laughs> Hallelujah and praise the name of Jesus. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm pleading with you. This is our finest hour. It really is our finest hour when we get to show the world that we have a relationship with God and we don't think like the rest of them. We will walk out knowing that our joy comes from inside, not from outside. So as you go today, as you celebrate the goodness of our God today, remember this could be our finest hour.